podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Celtic State of Mind, it's Thursday, I'm Paul John Dykes and today as always I'm joined by JP Mason, how are you doing JP? Hi, I'm a, a, a bit of a shell but um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a long and enjoyable day yesterday in the garage but I'm, uh, I'm here to, to tell the tale. You're um, here to tell the tale and I will ask you to tell the tale because it's a very interesting tale. Um, I've got to ask you to show me that t-shirt though because I've seen this popping up on your Twitter and... Um, the story behind it. It's a t-shirt company that no longer exists, I believe. Ah, it was, uh, they were called 6T7 and they were, I guess, alongside a couple others, maybe kind of like pioneers of the sort of alternative Celtic t-shirts and mm-hmm. probably around the mid-noughties. Uh, and I got this one and a Neil Lennon one uh, from them uh, back in, I would probably be about 2000 and six something like that 2005 six so it was 6 seven, and uh, that's uh, uh, Mohamed Salim who was the first uh, Indian player to play in British football I believe yeah is that right mm-hmm. yeah and he like did he not train in his bare feet and stuff like that and aye, amazing Brilliant. so uh, yeah I got that and uh, do you know there was a guy that was in our supporters club in uh, in Heriot Watt Edinburgh University CSC and uh, Big James McQuillan, and he ended up on the The Apprentice. I don't know if you ever watched The Apprentice. I used to watch it in the early days, JP. I did well, used you, to enjoy it, so I, I must have seen him. You would have seen Big James, uh, absolute legend. There, guy. You uh, always, always had good crack with him on the on the bus and stuff. He was English, uh, but he went to uni in Heriot Watt and uh, became a Celtic fan. I'm, and I'm saying that he might have had a reason to be a Celtic fan other than just going to uni and whatnot. But yeah, he was a he was a very prominent member of the of our supporters club and uh, <clears throat> went on to to be in the apprentice, which was quite surreal for all of us. And uh, I remember <clears throat> being on the bus and him asking me about this t shirt. Uh, and I told him where I got it. And then <laughs> there was an episode of The Apprentice where they were in his uh, his his digs or whatever and he was walking about with a white version of this no t-shirt way. 
on really? telly. <laughs> oh, I love that man. And his name was James McQuillan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That just reminds me, Jake McQuillan. You remember the the player, the the character that was played by Frankie Miller, just a boys' game. Jake oh McQuillan. yeah, Aye. oh McQuillan, your, McQuillan, your tease it. I think I've got the DVD of that. Actually, that's oh, yeah. a great film. Absolutely, it's superb. I'm bringing this up now from Pinball. What did Lubo say? Because we're running a poll on the comment section of the YouTube stream, uh, and we will be talking about this. Lubo actually was speaking about the upcoming game this weekend. Of course, everybody's talking about it, but he was also promoting the first star event with uh, Martin O'Neill, Chris Sutton, Lambert, Jackie Mack, and himself, which is coming up on the 29th of May, 2022, at the SEC Armadillo. And we've got two tickets to give away for that particular event if you subscribe to the YouTube channel. But what Lubo said was, without Rangers, Celtic are half. It's not a full Celtic. And I found it quite interesting because I don't agree with it for a start. Uh, I don't think the club does. But then they sometimes do things where they feed into the the brand, you know, that collective alliance, JP. Um, We've seen the tweets, we've seen the kind of marketing, advertising campaign where we were not half of anything. And then we agreed to this uh, old firm extravaganza over in Sydney, um, which obviously turned out for the best. But it also follows Mialbi's comments. He was opening up about why he left Celtic and he used the Rangers thing as a reason, you know, the competition or lack of, um, and it wasn't going to be the same for him. He wasn't going to have the same challenge as a coach. And I'm just, I'm going to throw it out to you because my, my feeling on it, I'm a wee bit bemused by Lubo's comments. I've got to say, what what's your thoughts, JP? I mean, you've got to remember where Lubo's from and, you know, he'll have been asked this probably in an interview and he's, he's, he's given, you know, his sort of, Maybe an immediate knee jerk reaction to 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 the to the question. Um, I think I can understand what he's trying to say. Whether or not we all agree with it as a as a as a, a fan base is, is different is a different story. But um, you know, he's probably just trying to put the point across that you know when when Rangers weren't in in the top division or when there wasn't a Rangers in the top division. Um, it wasn't the same. I mean, I don't think anybody can argue that there was it was there was a difference. There was a, a notable difference in atmosphere and you know just I don't know general kind of I guess a challenge I suppose because nobody else really did put up a really really strong challenge, i.e., like the one we've got at the moment or or had up until recently. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I I don't tend to. You know, I'm not going to start a sort of anti-Lubo campaign <laughs> because he said these things about, you know, uh, a rivalry or whatever. The Mialbi one, I've not read. I did see the headline and I didn't look into it. I just saw the headline and thought, I, I know probably what he's going to say, you know, but mm. I did find that quite strange that that would determine whether or not he would want to progress his coaching because he's not really done any much coaching since then, has he? So um, why would did he leave he... a, a, a comfortable job because Did he follow that. Lenny? Did he follow Lenny down to Bolton? I don't think so. No, no, not not to my memory. I don't remember seeing. I don't remember seeing the magnificent Swede resplendent in a Bolton tracksuit. So, uh, no. <laughs> uh, Mate, he would have. He would have still looked good. Oh, he definitely. He definitely would have made it. Uh, made it work. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he's he's a, he's a, a very handsome man. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't think he did go down there. So, nah, it's. I don't know. Much ado about nothing. Uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really. It doesn't really get me sort of 
angered or any in any way, you know, when people are saying things like that, it doesn't make me change the opinion of them. Um, by the way, are we, are we talking about this because we are now owned by Celtic and we have? I yeah. seen that. I seen yeah. that. Yeah, somebody yeah. should have told me that. That was an interesting. Yeah. I know. I know. I, I'm, I'm glad to now be a, a sort of a unofficial employee of Celtic Football Club. It's uh, it's good to know that uh, that that's the thing. <laughs> it's incredible, JP. The the world in which we live, where um, you know, online online uh, sites etc. Give us so much freedom. Uh, social media is great for friends and family who maybe lives all over the world because you've got a lot of contacts, JP, and you know it's going to be difficult for you to keep in touch with them, especially the famous ones. <laughs> and I think that you know when people actually say it's obvious that Axom have been bought by Celtic, I've just got to have a wee chuckle to myself because it's like where on earth do you do you get that kind of stuff? And once you create that narrative, there's enough people out there who dive in and go, ah, that's right, I had noticed this or that, and yeah. they've got a company narrative and all this nonsense. We are independent. We've got, changed. Of course. Do you know the only thing that's changed about the Celtic state of mind is that we've all got smells in our faces because the team are performing right. in the park. And because this started, where did it start as a daily bulletin in the summer of 2020? It was the, the season, yeah, it was the season that started with uh, Lee Griffiths getting left behind for the trip to France. It was a pre-season going into what we thought was a 10-in-a-row charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've covered every game. And every kick of the ball, JP, that's the thing. Every kick of the ball, every bad decision, every bad performance, and every good one. And the big thing as well is, um, on that note, it's an absolute independent setup. So the very first pod, this is interesting, the very first pod we ever did was the very first time I ever met Kevin Graham. So he turned up at my house and we were recording it in my kitchen and I had got this wee system, like two mic system and all that, into a Zoom box, which we still use um, for going out in the road. Sitting at my kitchen table, Kevin chaps the door and I open it and he's wearing a Michael Head T-shirt. And I just thought, I'm going to get on with this guy, even though he was wearing shorts, which are unacceptable. <laughs> and he, he came in and we took him into the kitchen and we recorded our first sesh. And from that, obviously, we built a Celtic state of mind um, going into the, the studio at the toll booth where I first met you and then saying to ourselves, we need to take it to the next level. And at that point, we set up a state of mind. So we're not owned by anybody because a state of mind is us and a Celtic state of mind is part of that. And we also do all the music stuff and the culture stuff, etc. And Mick Head, we might be paying a wee visit to Liverpool next week. Um, so keep your eyes peeled on the socials for that. So absolutely 100% independent, you know, we hoover the carpets, we do the, the bulletins, we put stuff in the diary, we make the tea. Uh, <laughs> no, scripts, no scripts from Celtic, not, no not, scripts. not that anyway. So. <laughs> and no scripts from me. I find that funny as well, JP, because mm. you come on on this show, you've not got a clue what I'm going to ask you about. You don't know what I've spoken about. Zero, absolute zero. I'm usually finishing my breakfast, <laughs> uh, not paying attention to any... Uh, <laughs> Uh, emails or anything like that so I so don't believe the hype that that is the the whole message we're putting across here Magnet67 regular contributor on the YouTube remember guys and girls if you are on the YouTube uh, make sure you subscribe because you will be in a draw for two tickets a pair of tickets for that gig that uh, Lubo was promoting when he, he made his comments about Rangers and Celtic um, and Magnet67 says afternoon Axon team I'm never overly confident in derby matches but if we play 50% as well as that St Johnson performance we will tear 
New Rangers apart. We will be talking about the St. Johnson game because you've not had a chance, certainly on Axel, to talk about it, JP. Paul McLean. I can McLean. only talk about half of it, Paul. <laughs> I can only oh, talk right. about half. I had to leave for work. Uh, <sighs> I, I, was, I was working. Did you, go, did you go to the, city, allowed, the first half? I'm allowed to say that. I'm allowed to mention that I work at King Tut's and I was doing a gig because uh, apparently I'm not allowed to say that because it's name dropping and boasting and all that. So, uh, yeah, sorry, I work in a job that, you know, I enjoy and love. Uh, yeah, I had to leave at half time uh, to go and deal, you know, uh, attend a load in for a gig. So I saw the first half and I saw us rack up three goals in a game that, you know, some people were a bit worried about because, I mean, you asked me last week what I thought was going to happen and I just said if we're, we're on an unbeaten run of 31 games or something like that, I mean, why should we be feeding St Johnston at home? Mm-hmm. Nerves don't seem to be playing a part in, in this side at all. You know, they, they completely and utterly believe in the mantra that's been battered into them. We don't stop and they didn't stop. The second half was, as I left at half time, Sean and the guys behind me were like, uh, or you'll be hoping for a nil-nil in the second half, <laughs> you know, because you've you've seen the job getting done. And I was like, no, 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 I want three or four in the second half. I want us to to properly do them, and and they did it. And it was quite surreal getting the bus back into town from Celtic Park while the game was going on. It's not something that I felt at all comfortable about. Like sitting on the bus, I got the still. You can still get the pass to paradise, even though it's. You know, you've used the card, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can still get it. So I got that on my phone. So I had Paul Cuddy and Simon Donnelly in my ears commentating while sitting on a on a packed sixty-one back into town watching O'Reilly. <laughs> he scored a couple of absolutely brilliant goals, <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> we just put them to the sword. Uh, and it could have been so much more as well. It could have properly been a, a, a I mean, it was a doing. Don't get me wrong, seven 0 as a hammering, but we could have taken it to another level. And, you know, you're just thinking goal difference, mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and just a, a, a great kind of, a great fill-up ahead of ahead of uh, the semi-final on Sunday, which I'm very much looking forward to. But I, I mean, <clears throat> relentless at the moment, absolutely relentless. And Kyogo coming back, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Kyogo coming back, I missed that reception. I was looking, I was hoping to see, see that while I was there, but I didn't. Uh, get the privilege of that, but you know the, that volley pinged in for Maeda, unreal. You know, no. and it felt it felt like that moment. And I know the the guys hadn't played together um, in Japan. Mm. I mean, whether or not the four appearances Maeda's made for Japan have been in games that Kugo's appeared in, I'm not sure. I need to check that. But it, it was almost telepathic the way he picked him out and the way. And what I loved about Maeda when he took takes the ball down, great takedown on the chest. He then is so unselfish just to let it run in front of a badder to finish. But I actually, uh, I harked back, and I'm not comparing the players, but I, the, the actual reception that Kyogo got, I harked back to when Larson come back for his broken leg, JP. Um, he comes on against Dundee United, last game of the season. Kenny Dalglish is an interim charge. Tommy Burns is standing next to him as, as the substitutes are being made. And that was the day where we played a lot of the young guys. People like John Kennedy played that day. I think he was 16. Um, Jimmy Goodwin Simon, played for Celtic. Simon Lynch, did he play? He did. Aye, Simon Lynch played. In fact, I think Simon Lynch scored. Mm. Um, anybody on the comments that can check the wiki on our behalf, then please do so. And I just remember that reception. And it was... The thing with the Larson reception was we were all still a bit worried. 
you know, because it was such a horrific leg break. Mm. And I remember watching that. I wasn't at, uh, in Leon that night. Were you at that game? Or was it Kev? I was in Leon, yeah. I was, I was in the, yeah. I was, I was at the away game. I wasn't at the game when he came back in, uh, in, the, in May because I was living in France at that point. So uh, that whole end of that season from February onwards, apart from the League Cup final, which I came back for, the rest of those games, I've I, I barely seen any of the footage of that time because we certainly didn't release a DVD of the John Barnes season, did we? So, uh, no. Uh, there was, there, was, there was nothing to watch. And that was at a time when I was buying the DVDs of, of all the seasons, you know, um, and, I, and there was there was nothing to watch back, really, from that. So I wasn't at that game, but I, I do know what you mean by everybody was a bit kind of mm. on edge about the fact that Larson was taken to, to the field and you're just thinking, is he going to be able to take a tackle? Is he going to, you know, make a tackle? You know, all of those things are going through your head. You're just like, imagine... Imagine if he broke down or whatever, it would have been horrendous, you know, after so long out and then the kind of messianic return of him. Uh, but then aye, it, 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 what he went on to become and do after that was just almost, uh, you know, superhuman. The the, 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 the heights that he hit mm. um, were just ridiculous. You know, he went on to so many different levels. You know, you're talking about... Goals against Rangers, goals and the goal scoring record in Europe, and all the rest of it. So, um, I know what you mean. Kyogo coming back, you're all think everybody's thinking, you know, is he going to be all right? You don't want him to break down. Have we rushed him back? Because like we did, it did feel like we kind of rushed him back in December, and yeah. like the, even the League Cup final, you're like, there's no way he was he was fit. I mean, that must have been one of the ones where. Postacoglu was saying before Ibrox that he was like appearing everywhere about Lennox Town so, uh, as if to remind them that he was actually still about. And he must have done that before the League Cup final and Postacoglu has gone, OK, I'll play you. Um, and you can't argue with his contribution in the League Cup final because arguably we might not have won it without him. So, mm-hmm. um, aye, I, the only thing now is does he, if Jack Amakis isn't fit, does he start on Sunday? And that's, that's the big question, isn't it? It definitely is. And that is one of the key selection decisions that I, I want to talk to you about. But just when you were describing there about uh, Larson coming back, um, a, a very interesting thing happened. And I'm sorry, but the Claxon needs to be uh, hit for the old name drop because I found it really interesting. You mentioned Simon Lynch there. Mm-hmm. And when I was working on his father Andy's book, um, Andy Lynch described Kenny Dalgleish and the way that he approached training. Uh, performance, condition, games, the the whole thing like before the game in the changing room was exactly how Simon Lynch described Henrik Larson, And I found that really interesting. And I know that Dalgleish never always wore number seven, right? And obviously Jinky was still around at, in Dalgleish's earlier time at Celtic. But he, there's some great pictures of Dalgleish with a big number seven on his shorts. And I loved that kind of like um, the match between how Dalgleish approached the game and how Larson approached the game. And a lot of it was down to their state of mind, in actual fact, and how um, Andy says to me that sometimes you go into a game with no nerves, you're in this kind of zone that you you can't quite explain, and everything you do is with confidence and without a second thought, and it just works and it ticks. And Andy describes the 1977 Scottish Cup final as one of those days where he got that ball, didn't even think about the consequences of missing the penalty. He just knew in his mind. It was like the power of positive thinking. He says, but that didn't happen to him every week. 
he had the moments he doubts. He had a pass that went under his studs and went out for a throw and within five minutes of a game, JP then had a bad game because it was in his head that he's having a bad game. Mm. He says, so there was a whole thing around players who were able to absolutely master the art of how to approach a game and how to get into that kind of zone and that focus that was required to be a top-class player. He says the guy that he played with that was able to do it was Dalgleish. And the guy that Simon was able to uh, that played with, who was able to do it, was Henrik Larsson. I've always found that really that duality quite interesting. That the father and son had the same experience, but with two different players, who obviously were the you know one of them was called the King King Kenny, and the other one was the King of Kings. I, I really found it really interesting because it is all about what's going on up here a lot of the well, time. I, ne- I never obviously had the <clears throat> good fortune, <clears throat> excuse me, to see Henrik uh, Kenny the Gleese play. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, in the flesh, obviously, um, I'm not that old. <laughs> but uh, I obviously saw Henrik Larson play the majority of the games that he played for Celtic and there, there was that kind of ice cold mm-hmm. nature about him that just, I mean, things like rounding the keeper at Ibrox and slotting in for his 50th, you know, like that falls to many other people. They're not finishing as, as, as precisely as that. I mean, that was like a, you know, a surgeon's knife. Uh, that that finish, I mean, even though Maloney could have probably nicked it when he was running in at the back post, but you see Maloney running in, just going like that, celebrating as it's going in, uh, and uh, so many other other things that he did as well. You know, even just watching his link up play, like um, program over my shoulder, hearts away. That's on this day, nineteen ninety nine, fourteenth of April, nineteen ninety nine. We beat Hearts four two at Tynecastle. Viduka uh, get two. Uh, blinker and reset. So mm. that's not in the score sheet in that game, but is involved in all the goals. Pretty much like you watch Little Z on Twitter, watch all the watch the highlights. Larson's all about everything, and it's just amazing. It was amazing to see that. I mean, the, you think of the goals that Larson scored, the assists. Even like, what's this new term for like a a second assist? Yeah, aye. Like, how many second assists did Henrik Larson have? I mean, you're, you're, it's it's probably absolutely staggering the amount. Mm. I mean, if somebody uh, has got a bit of time on their hands, Alan Morrison or whoever can go back and and study Henrik Larson's uh, contributions and games. Uh, it would de- it would definitely be interesting to see what what he what he uh, gave to Celtic beyond the goals and beyond you know the assists. It's just, oh, aye. Uh, I, I mean, the Kyogo, the Kyogo pass that you refer to would be classed in uh, new terms as a secondary assist, oh, yeah. wouldn't it? Aye. So he's played yeah. in Maeda. Uh, just interestingly, it's occurred to me when, when we were talking there about um, Larson and that injury and the season that we endured, which started off pretty brightly. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. if we remember back to the 7 nothing game against Aberdeen, and there, were, there was a lot of 
there were a lot of issues in that side um, and a lot of bad signings, I think, under John Barnes. The thing just was never going to work. But I do often wonder what it would have turned uh, out like had Larson, you know, not been injured. Mm. And I found it interesting that Lubo said that his biggest regret was leaving the season before Seville because he reckons that um, he might have gave him that wee bit of magic dust uh, that got us over the line against Porto. I mean, the guy was an absolute genius, but it's one of these things with hindsight. You know, there's always these moments, sliding door moments. Cadet almost was the, the striking partner for Larson. That's the big one for me. That almost happened, and that would have just been a, an astonishing partnership. We're going to be talking about all these dilemmas, uh, if there are any dilemmas. Maybe Andy's sitting there with his team already written out, uh, with no doubts whatsoever in his mind as to who's playing. Paul McLean, nothing to fear on Sunday, but no complacency, please. This will be a hard match. There's been a lot of talk about um, complacency and not allowing players to become complacent and I think Andrew's sick to the back teeth for hearing the questions JP I mean you know he's basically saying to them listen if there was complacency I would identify it on the training park and they wouldn't be playing they, mm. they wouldn't be playing at the weekend so um, I counted three questions in one press conference where everybody shaped the question differently but they were all asking the same thing about complacency um, I would probably ask the question a different a different way entirely and say that you know that focus that we've undoubtedly got should we win the game at the weekend um, where does that put us in terms and I, listen I got criticised for talking about a treble a few weeks ago JP but I think if we beat Rangers on Sunday then it really is all about what Celtic does. And I think Stevie Boy makes the point we are in the comfortable position of having an abundance of talent to choose from. So I trust whoever the big man picks to play on Sunday. I think that's also pivotal in the running. You know, we're going to be talking about Yakimakis or Kyogo. We're going to be asking the question uh, around O'Reilly and Rogic. There's other areas of the park. Juranovic came out this week to talk about the competitiveness of him and Ralston uh, for the right-back jersey. And there's areas all over the park like that. I mean, I'm going to start off with Jota. Uh, Jota was uh, seen last night watching his parent club uh, doing an an Anfield. And uh, the the big question mark, I guess, around uh, Jota is the long-term one. Obviously, if he's going to be here next season, is he going to buy into this um, revolution that Ange is at the, the forefront of? I looked at his uh, just his his very base stats before we came on the day, and he's now played the same amount of games for Celtic as he has done for Benfica, mm-hmm. um, and he's ten goals, eleven assists, very productive. I, I mean, I'm sure there's been loads of secondary assists as well. Going back on your point, JP, um, I didn't think he was brilliant against Rangers in the two-one game at Ibrox. I didn't think he was great, but I get that he's doubled up on and he's doing a lot of you know work that's maybe invisible because he's not getting the same the the same service or the same results when he's trying to get the ball in. But I'm looking at how Maeda played uh, and has played the the potential return of Kyogo that we're talking about, the impact of Abada. Um, is he guaranteed a place against Rangers on Sunday, Jota? I, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> just what you're saying about. Uh, work rate and stuff. I, I, I listened to um, yesterday's show and heard Brian say that he had initially not been convinced by Maeda and he kind of held, held his hands up as if to say, you know, maybe I made a judgment too soon on him. Now, I'm not having a go at Brian for saying that because people can have an initial opinion and then change their mind based on the evidence that's presented to them. Uh, you know, I think it's quite weird when you try and 
go, oh, I was right, oh, I was right, <laughs> check me, I'm brilliant, I was right about something, like, bully for you. Um, but the Maeda thing, I think, you know, I, I know that Brian doesn't uh, uh, or can't go to the games <clears throat> at the moment because he doesn't live in the country. But see, when you see Maeda in the flesh and you're watching him actually at the game and you're not watching him on the TV, I think that, I think you could take two people who one person has seen him play a game and give him a 90 minutes and watch it on the TV and then give him a 90 minutes and watch it at the game and you see a different version of Maeda because mm. the camera probably doesn't pick up a lot of the stuff that he does. I mean, I've never really thought about that that much, about that whole thing, but when I've come away from games, I've been like, Maeda's all over that pitch. Yeah. It's maybe becoming more and more apparent because his form's improving and it's becoming more obvious to people that are watching it on, at home on TV or whatever, but, I mean, the guy's pressing is ridiculous, so it, it kind of... Jota's not going to do the same thing, I don't think, because he's a different type of player. Um, but I think there's absolutely no way that that game, that the first 11 that's out on Sunday has not got Jota in it. Where he plays, I don't know whether it's on the left or the right, whether Maeda has to play through the middle to mm. compensate for Jack and Marcus. I wouldn't be against that if that is the case. I would be all right with it being, you know, uh, Jota, Maeda and Abada, for example. Um it's a bit lightweight, but the way that the team's playing, it's like you put people into a, a well-oiled machine and they'll probably, you know, <laughs> be able to do the job for you. So um, I'd, I'd far rather have everybody fit so that he's got, you know, everything uh, to choose from in terms of what he does with his starting lineup instead of being kind of forced into it. Because um, we were, well, a week ago, we were sitting going, everybody's fit bar Forest. And now, and now we've got, <clears throat> now we've got a few question marks. Um, and I, I'm not entirely sure whether uh, Kyogo starts uh, based on what 15 minutes against mm. Johnson last week. I just I, I'd be wary of that, and I think quite a few people would be wary of that as well. Just because you know there's still other games to go, uh, and and you'd like to think that we've got enough the way we're playing to be able to cope with that. But 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 Jota would start for me 100. I'm a big fan of Jota. Uh, yeah, it's oh, so that's amazing. And regardless of what happens, I, at the beginning of the season, even when I seen how Jot was performing, I did still think we needed backup. I thought we needed backup on the left hand side of the park, and that Mikey Johnson really wasn't kind of meeting the standards. He, he, I know that he's not had a massive run of games, uh, but every time he plays, I don't think he's done enough to say right he's a starter next week. There was maybe a performance at Easter Road. He played pretty well. That was a game when uh, Rogic had to come off injured. But when I look at Jota now, I see Maeda as an option, where I didn't see him before on the left-hand side, because obviously he's coming in, in January. On the right-hand side, you've got a few options, you know, because you've got Jota, Forrest, Wenfit and Abada, and then through the middle, Yakamakis and, and Kyogo. But I'm looking at the emergence uh, of Maeda since January. Um you know, somebody who was sitting next to you in the stadium had the audacity to call him a fraud at one point. I don't think anybody <laughs> anybody agrees with that. Um, and I think, well, it's a it's a loan deal with an obligation to sign. That gives us an option on the left-hand side, but we would still need to go back out and buy another left-hand-sided player. Mm. Um, so the, the Jota thing, I'm looking at the two players, JP, and I just think that we would be really lucky to get the both of them in Carter Vickers and Jota, the two loanees on permanent deals. 
I don't think that will happen. I just think we would be it would be too lot. Has it happened before? You know, we've had loanies coming in, and you'd love to keep them. You might get one or you know of the two. And at this moment in time, I actually think that the priority would be Carter Vickers because we, we just don't have that same depth in the <clears throat> central defensive areas. And a big part of that is because Julian hasn't come and come back the way we thought he would. Mm. I mean, I think you and I covered the game where he injured his cell, didn't we? Dundee night. Yeah. yeah, the ping off the post now. Yep, 20 minutes is all he's had since then against Wraith Rovers. So I guess my question is, do you expect him to stay, JP? Do you think Jota will stay? Uh, it's hard to tell. He's been quite... I think quite quiet in the media with regards to his intentions or whatever, whether or not he's been guarded on that by the by the club's uh, you know media team or whatever to to not speak about it or whether he, the press have been told not to ask him. Or I, I don't know. It just seems like there's not been any kind of real chat about that from him. But from the outside looking in, he certainly looks like a happy camper. You know, just in terms of. He's kind of vibrancy around the training pitch when you see footage or pictures of him there. You know, the, the bath picture with him and uh, who's he in the bath with? Atati. Atati. <laughs> how dare they allow, how dare they use their facilities? <laughs> it was a blow up bath. Like, you know what I mean? I know. He brought it, I think. So, uh, I, um, like that, that, that kind of pattern is, is, is great. And, you know, he's. In the golf shot to Joe Hart. Aye, the golf shot at Pataudry, which I, I couldn't celebrate because I was in the, in the home end. Uh, I'd just sit in my hands and and smile behind my mask, which was a very, very surreal experience. But, uh, uh, the uh, you know, the, the video with George Michael and, and all that, you know, it would be it would be a it would be a shame if we didn't, you know, allow that story to continue and, on, a, on a permanent basis. Whether it comes down to finances, whether it comes down to Benfica saying, "Look, you'll get a chance here next season," mm. you know, X player is leaving or retiring or whatever, and there'll be a space in the squad if you if you come in and you'll be given an opportunity to impress. You know that I, I think I've said this before, but that is his home. It's his home club. You know, it would be the same way as if I was on loan. You know, in, in a dream world somewhere, if I was on loan to another club, and then Celtic said. You come back next season, you'll you'll get to play for Celtic. Wouldn't it matter what that club gave me financially? Genuinely, I would be like, nah, I'm going back to Celtic because I want to play for Celtic. So um, you've got that to factor in. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, I, I would agree with you. I would take Cameron Carter Vickers. If it was a straight swap, we spoke about this a good few weeks ago. I said, who would you, if it was a straight, a straight choice between the two and you only had six million to spend on one or the other, mm. Carter Vickers by a long way I think just basically because of how hard it is to get a centre half in that you can yeah. rely on and we can more than rely on that guy based on the evidence this season the guy's been unbelievable you know so many times you're walking away going who's your man of the match but the guy Carter Vickers is, is always a name that comes into the conversation and he's a centre half and we're winning games so how does that work? <laughs> you know, you think you think you'd automatically go to a forward and be like, "Oh well, he scored two goals," and you know, what about that pass for that goal and all that? But you're going, but Carter Vickers was, you know, un- unbelievable at the back. So, yeah, and and go back to the complacency thing as well. Like, I mean, it, like I don't think there was any sign of complacency in, on Saturday. 
And we didn't win that game 7-0 because St. Johnson were so, so bad. I mean, obviously they didn't play well, there's no question, but the team worked really hard for their goals. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot of work rate in, involved and it would be naive to just say, oh, well, St. Johnson are second bottom or whatever they are and, you know, they're on this, you know, well, they'd won like two games in the last whatever, but I don't think it's fair to say that it was a bad St. Johnson performance and therefore we just sort of picked them apart because they were so bad. I think it was a lot of work rate. I mean, you only need to look at that goal, the O'Reilly goal and the, the passing and that and that the Tam Selleckson video, if you haven't seen it. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Just look it up. He's managed to edit Ange Postacoglu's training ground talk over that goal, and he's matched it to perfection to the point there where he shouts, shoot, and O'Reilly shoots and scores, and he goes, ah, oh, love it, love it. <laughs> and you're like, you get to take your hat off to the guy. Um, he's, 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 he's some uh, some entertainment on, on Twitter, that's for sure. And, uh, and that, 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 that goal now will be well, well remembered, you know, for, the, for, for his editing and for it just for the pure, you know, rip-roaring, Free throwing, I can't remember it now. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, never boring. Never boring. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, that, that, I just wanted to say that about the complacency aspect because there was no sign of it on Saturday. I don't see there being any sign of it on Sunday. Not saying that that means that we're a shoe in to win because Rangers will be massively up for that game. They'll have half the stadium. It'll be the first time for whew, how long uh, since the League Cup final in twenty nineteen. That there's been wow. that there's yeah. been a, a half and half or a, or not yeah a half and half or even just like a kind of big group of fans versus the other you know like a a, a a support from each from each side so I'm glad I got a ticket in that second ballot I'd have been absolutely gutted if I hadn't got one but um, I got a restricted view one in the second the second wave of tickets that were released so I don't care where I'm sitting in that ground I would have sat on the roof um, to watch the game so. If I've got a pole in front of me, so be it. I don't care. <laughs> as long as I can celebrate a goal if it's if it's scored, you know. As long as you're in there. I mean, going back to that goal, uh, unbelievable. 
team effort, like you say, the complacency, I don't even know where that question is coming from. Is there a wee bowl with generic questions that you ask gaffers and yeah. pressers? I don't know. But Carter Vickers was a massive part of that goal. He's he's the guy that goes on an IRS run and he's got a ton of pace. It's deceptive, mm-hmm. you know, he's got this ton of pace. I think he's brilliant. So I think strong. Yes. Yeah, I know. And you didn't all you know, you don't often see him flying into tackles, last ditch tackles, because he reads the game so well that it, it's so unnecessary for him to do that. Um we always have a wee chat about that jersey over your shoulder. And uh, I was just thinking there about other left sided players. That jersey reminds me of Scotty Sinclair. Um but I do love a football jersey and uh, Magnet sixty seven is looking forward to buying my new book. It's seven years in the making. I'm going to put that out there. It's taken me seven years to get this finished. It's not a plug, but it's going to be out very soon. How dare and, you, Paul? How dare you oh, make no, a book about Celtic strips that will be enjoyed by many people oh. uh, who like a Celtic jersey, uh, including myself? I mean, it's, it's absolutely disgraceful behaviour and shame on you for doing something so heinous. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just really disappointed in you for... I'm glad you said that because there's a lot of people thinking the same. I've always loved football jerseys. This book here, right, is called The Football Shirts Book and it's by a guy called Neil Hurd. And the interesting thing is, JP, and indulge me for a few moments here, but we went down to London to interview Neil because he's now um, working for Maba, who used to make the Barcelona jerseys. And I remember back in like the mid-80s when my brother and I would buy the Celtic View not the view, eventually. Uh, Roy the Rovers, shoot and match. So we had three weekly football magazines coming in. Four, if you include the Celtic view. And then all of a sudden, there was quite a lot of Barcelona pictures appearing of guys like Gary Lineker, Terry Venables and Sparky. Your pal Mark Hughes was in there because yeah. he signed for Barcelona as well. But they had this amazing kit because you were used to seeing Umbro, Adidas, Bukta, Admiral, maybe a bit of Lecoq Sportif, maybe some Hummel back in the day on British teams. But this uh, this kit had this M, just like a wee M. And you kind of looked at that and thought, I wonder what that is, you know. And at that time, you know, the coverage of football beyond the UK wasn't great. I mean, now people take it for granted, you know what? what's happening everywhere you would maybe get a weekly column like a, a world football roundup or a European football roundup with a wee image in Maradona playing for Barcelona or whatever and the only time you've seen a Barcelona kit back then which is a strange one now when you imagine the amount of kids running about in Scotland with Barca kits was if somebody was well off enough to go to Spain on for a week or two on holiday and they'd come back usually with a hooky um, Barcelona jersey that they bought at a market. So this VM always intrigued me. But anyway, it's a company called Maber. And this guy here, Neil Heard, he works for Maber. We went down and visited him. The video will be up on the channel um, this weekend, hopefully. And it's all about the rebirth of the brand because I'm a big football jersey fanatic and I have written a new book. But what I was going to say to Magnet, and a few other people that have asked me recently, I do have a few old books, not many. They're in a room in the house. I think in total I've got about 30 of the Quality Street and Andy Lynch books. I don't have any Neely Mocking books. And I will make them available very soon. It's just I've been a wee bit busy, but I will make them available for a tenner or whatever and maybe give the money to a charity of somebody's choice so yeah watch this space we will make them available apology that's for that shameless plug that's it by the way that was the uh, the semi-final when Dembele scored the back heel oh yeah yeah I remember oh, yeah. that I, I, 
I was watching that in a Celtic supporters bar in Prague, down the stairs, like rammed bar in Prague, which I can't, it was, some, it was something like the something and grill, like something bar and grill. And I thought I was expecting it to be like a restaurant, but it didn't, it didn't serve food. So quite a strange one, but uh, yeah, I'll never ever forget that. That was some, some day, some atmosphere. And uh, yeah. But then everything ties in. Everything ties in. So the Duke Prague jersey, obviously all I want for Christmas is a Duke Prague away kit, half man, half biscuit, is the the crest is what we've modelled a state of mind's crest on. So we love all that stuff, mate. I've been to Prague once, um, but I I didn't go to that bar. That you're referring to. I want to talk about Dyson Maeda because you mentioned them earlier and it brought back the memory of what Ange Postacoglu said about the signings in January, in particular the, the three Japanese signings. And he said, We have to be um, careful about just saying four Japanese players. You'll remember the comments. And I thought mm-hmm. at the time it was very interesting uh, because obviously coming over from um, Japan himself, he might have felt like an isolated figure. Didn't didn't harm him in any way, shape or form, mm. JP, but it can affect players. I mean, going back to, you know, British footballers playing in foreign shores, Ian Rush went to Italy, didn't settle, had to come back. It, it can affect players playing elsewhere. And there was this kind of like um, tendency for us just to talk about the four Japanese players that we now have as if, mm. you know, that's it. And he was really talking about each of their individual individual skills and abilities and, and personalities, I guess, as well. And I think what we've seen with Maeda is that coming to the fore in the last few weeks. And, you know, we don't really know about Eddie Gucci yet. We've not really seen what, what he can do. He could be another great talent and we're not aware mm-hmm. of it. But how impressed have you been? Because I know that he was getting some stick. People were going on about his first touch being a pass. The guy you mentioned at the game saying he was a fraud. Hatati's uh, performances were, were coming in for a wee bit of criticism. But over the last couple of games, I've seen both players uh, really coming to the fore and, and being integral to what we do from now to the end of the season. How impressed have you been with Maeda and Hatati? I mean, <clears throat> to take Maeda first... I remember, remember after the uh, the Hearts game when Hatati scored that absolute worldie, you know, um, into the league's league's best keeper. Um, apparently, I mean, I I, I I think Craig Gordon is a great keeper, and uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not slagging him on that front. But uh, this whole narrative about how we should have kept him and all of that, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that's a that's you know, I, based on last season, maybe, but. As we were told by Dermot Desmond, Forster had agreed to come back. They let Craig Gordon go, all of that. Anyway, Hattati scores that goal, and then the next day, the morning after, I was on here, and I kind of said, yeah, it was a great goal. I don't know if his performance was outstanding. And then he goes and does what he does against Rangers and scores two and has an unbelievable game and really shows everybody what he can do. Maeda, I was really excited about for... Reasons because of, of the things that I read about him in January after we, you know, after we'd signed him and, and he was paraded, I put out a tweet saying potentially the best January signing ever, you know, because we haven't made that many great January signings over the years. We're, mm. We've we can rhyme off a list of all these players that have come and gone in January, contributed very little, either been on loan or you know they've come in in January and then it just 
it's not worked out. You know, they've signed a two-year deal. Klamala being one. Soro, I think, was a January signing as well. Mm. Um, there's many, many more. So I, I saw him and I saw his record, the fact that he was top goal scorer. But the, the way that he's in, he's landed at Celtic is way beyond anything that I thought it was going to be because you see that guy and the way that people are talking about him in the media as well, you listen to pundits and things like that talking about him going, they've never seen anything like this guy in terms of his pressing mm. and the way his ability to just sprint, stop, start another sprint, stop. And I just started watching the... It's a couple of months old now, but they are a month old now. But the interview with Ange Postecoglou and the Open Goal guys, and they talk about Maeda, and, and Postecoglou sort of says that he says, you know, that the way that he's able to just, you know, constantly sprint and stop. Cause normally, you need you need like a recovery time, whereas he doesn't have that. So he has the ability to just press everybody all over the park at all times, and he just appears. You know, um, and Kev said that yesterday. He just appears all of a sudden. He's there. And he's at left back. He's you know forward right or whatever. You know he's just all over the place. So to have somebody that's got that engine and the desire as well to uh, you know I think the Japanese players in particular they they they, they feel an obligation to contribute. I mean Kyogo was apparently really annoyed. You can see him when he's standing at the side of the park. He wants to be a part of the whole thing, you know, and mm-hmm. like shaking the players' hands coming off and. I'd imagine when he's out injured, he's really frustrated that he's not able to contribute to the to the cause. So then you've got Maeda, who's fully fit. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And as an absolute, you know, rapid, you know, uh, merchant, you know, he's just going to go for it all the time. And I, I mean, it's, it's it, that's been some sign. And Hatati... Has obviously been up and down, probably because of fitness. Um, I still like what I've seen from Hatati. He can finish really well. Um, it's been mild criticism, criticism of at times from some people. You know, just sort of saying he kind of, you know, his passing's not the best and things like that. But um, there is no question that that our transfer window in January has played a massive, massive part 
and mm-hmm. putting us in the position that we're in because we were really limping towards that that um, uh, sort of midway point and then the signings that he's brought in have been just... I mean, I had O'Reilly into the mix as well. Adeguchi's been unfortunate with injury, but you had O'Reilly in there as well. I mean, the guy looks different class. Like, mm. and, and he's only 21, you know, and, and led to believe that he, you know, has a, a, a high opinion of himself and why not if he can deliver the goods... I'm I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, why why wouldn't you why wouldn't you you know um, back yourself if you if you thought you could if you thought you could deliver? He's now got international recognition, yeah. albeit under twenty one level. Mm-hmm. Great, great uh, glowing reports from the coach there, you know about his his condition and his his ability. So um, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 absolutely crazy to think of the options that we've got all over the park and it's it's all thanks to something that Declan pointed out way back in June uh, when we were talking about Ange Postacoglu and Declan, was, Declan said whether it was sceptical or not but he said you know you could tap into these markets I think we all kind of maybe kind of half thought maybe he knows yeah. players that we don't and that have never heard of world's a big place it's not all about you know uh, the English Premier League or the Championship or anything like that because I think for a long time we've always thought that's where we should be shopping and getting picking up gems you know like O'Reilly or whatever but the idea of going so far afield and going kind of left to centre to, to Japan and being like surely there's nobody in Japan that can come over and do the business here but there is the big thing for that, when you were talking there about Japanese football, I thought back to my 1980s shooting match days where um, Gary Linker yeah. eventually signed for Grand Pass 8, Nagoya Grand Pass 8, with that classic jersey. Tried um, to buy one of them on eBay, but it was it got out of, it got out of my price range. The uh, shell suits are nice as well. Was it Lecoq? <laughs> Lecoq Sportive? I yeah. think it was. Yeah. But see the thing with that, GP, I think it's a great point, and you're right, Dick did bring it up, but we surely knew... Uh, with the success in Akamura, that there was a market out there. And it makes me wonder that from that point, when did we sign Nakamura? 2005? Off the top of my head? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll wiki that as well. Um, 2005. So we've known for 17 years that there's a market there. And it makes you wonder, have we had not a a head scout as such, but have we had a scout dealing with that part of the world in the last 17 years? And if not, why not? That would be my big question. Because if if you want to be this club that's a, a global, not only a global brand, but a, a club that has the global reach in terms of not just fan base, but um, attracting players, JP, mm. I don't think we, we built on the Nakamura success. So mm. at that time, we were the biggest deal, apparently. Uh, we were the biggest deal in terms of British football in Japan when Nakamura played for Celtic. But did we capitalise on it after the event? Mm. I don't think we did. That, not to my knowledge. I don't think we had someone whose uh, primary objective it was to, to look at these markets. It's only now Ange comes in 10 months ago and says, oh, by the way, there's still quite a good uh, few players out there, uh, even though we should have known that because we had Nakamura. Well, if you, if you strip it all back... There was always a lot of chat, and there had there had there, you know there was chat as well about when you bring players in from Japan, it means oh you're going to sell loads of shirts over there, or oh it's going to increase your social media uh, followers, and you, you see the the Japanese Celtic Twitter's you know hit over whatever it is fifty thousand, or, or maybe it's more than that. Now all of that 
really doesn't matter if you've not got guy the guys in the park doing the business, you know, like but they are doing the business. <laughs> Everything else is just, you know, it's a bit showbiz, really, you know, that whole kind of little selling shirts and Celtic being popular in Japan and walking down the street and seeing Celtic billboards. And that's all fine and well, but you could that could all be happening and the players could just be, you know, playing half an hour here and there and not scoring goals and, yeah. you know, making the sort of contribution that a lot of our signings have made in the last sort of 10, 15 years when we've signed guys from whoever, wherever, whatever country. Um, but these guys have come in and have become first team players mm-hmm. like actual there's no question at all they're playing you know what I mean it's not as if they've just come in and complimented the squad and been you know you know sort of luxury players that you bring off the bench it's guys that are just what like how often does that happen where you've got player, players that come in in January and just immediately make a shirt their own you know it's it's, it's that's that's the, the remarkable thing for me is that that, that they've come in and, and become first team Celtic players and have showed us all that they deserve to be first-team Celtic players based on what they've done. There was also the big thing for me sometimes, JP, that the, the January transfer window felt as though we approached it in the short term. You know, I remember Burke coming in and that January transfer window, was that the same one that Cho-Yan comes in for oh, the right yeah, back? Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. thinking it's all just like, you know, it's all short-termism. John yeah. Joe Kenny right back just because we needed to fill a, a hole, fill a gap. But there's none of that with these four guys that were brought in in January. Every single yeah. one of them is at an age where you're going to get your, you know, you're going to get uh, the best, the best that you possibly can over the next two or three years. Some of them may go on to bigger and better things from what we've seen from a couple of them so far. Uh, but the big decisions, then, I'm going to throw each of what I think might be the the key selection decisions faced by Ange for the game this weekend, which you will be at, lucky you, I'll be covering it on a Celtic state of mind. But before I do that, can I just say, right, above my head here is a ticket from um, the European run where Celtic won the European Cup. And of course, we beat Nantes. But mm-hmm. we beat Nantes 3-1, not 3 nothing. So I just wanted to point that out. That was also the same oh, yeah. run where we played Duke Club Prague. Yeah. So everything ties in, but it was Lawrence Connolly that pointed out that whoever's <laughs> ticket that is, they got it wrong. Right, big decision um, to be made here, JP. And the first one I'm going to throw at you is Matt O'Reilly. Does he start or does Tommy Rogic start on Sunday? I, I mean, it has to be Rogic, really. I mean, it would be it'd be pretty crazy if he started O'Reilly. It would be crazy if he started O'Reilly, obviously. O'Reilly, you know more than deserves to start games for Celtic but if you've got a fit Tom Rogic and a fit Matt O'Reilly with a week's training in him uh, there's no question Tom Rogic starts on that pitch you know um, where he's it's a happy hunting ground for him he's done you know untold damage to teams on that that ground he scored against Rangers in the last game at Ibrox okay it was a it wasn't a you know a world day or anything like that but it was a cool finish that a lot of people might have snatched that, ballooned over the bar, um, you know, and he, he coolly stroked at home. So you you want someone that's been around, you want as many players on that park that have been around the block but are of a quality that, you know, I'm not saying we would start, you know, sort, sort of near Beaton or whatever um, just because he's got experience. Rogic has got experience of winning trophies at that mm-hmm. ground. Mm-hmm. It would be... 
I, I really don't know of an argument against Tom Rogic starting on Sunday, to be honest, given given his experience in this fixture, given the form he's been in this season and the hunger that he's shown. Um, I, I, yeah, it has to start. Big thing for me as well, and we spoke about it at half-time, uh, we've been in a situation previously many, many times where the game looks as though it's won at half-time. So you're sitting there at 3 nothing. ask the question, what do you do? I mean, what do you do in the second half? Well, the answer was you bring on O'Reilly and the whole thing changes again and it goes up a gear. And you've still got Kugo to bring on and David Turnbull to bring on. And we end up having a full 90-minute performance rather than just a, a really good first half. But then the opposite of that can happen as well, of course, whereby we need to change things up because there's been a lack of creativity or, you know, maybe Tommy Rogic has been doubled up on not having his best afternoon. And then you look at the bench and at least we do have the talent that is uh, Matt O'Reilly. And if he's, you know, if he's got designs on himself, fair play because he's obviously good enough, isn't he? He's good enough to have that attitude. And that kind of attitude, though, was the reason why he was out of football for about six months because he says, you know, I'm just going to be a free agent until the, the time comes and he gets signed up. So that shows a bit of kind of like a strong-minded uh, mentality. What about you? Would you start, Rogic? I just... The fixture suits Tommy Rogic. Mm. Um, O'Reilly, well, he feels though he's been dropped. Well, he, he didn't start at the weekend, so he's not being dropped as such, but he had a fantastic second half. It would be, it would feel harsh, but only one of them can play. I think that's the big thing. Only one mm. of those guys can play. Um, I've already asked you up top the question: If all fit, Yakimakis Kyogo. Um, have you already said you'd maybe play Jota, Maeda, Abada? I, I would if Yakimakis isn't fit, mm-hmm. because I don't know if I would risk Kyogo. I mean, who am I? I mean, the manager will know better than, than than you or I whether or not Kyogo's ready to start that game and whether he feels he's okay to start the game. Um, but if he doesn't, then I would be more than happy with, with that as a front three if, if, if it had to be the case. I'm pretty sure Giacomacchus has been in training this week, though. There was footage released, whether or not it was old footage, but it was a, there was a clip released while they were talking mm. about the game on Sunday and they showed you footage of players training. Giacomacchus was doing, the, doing the, the short sprints, you know. Um, so maybe it's another one of these uh, Ange Postacoglu kind of cards close to, his, close to his chest, kind of, you know, players just appear, which is what used to happen against us so much in the 90s and you'll remember that as much as I do you know players Rangers players just appear miraculously on the team sheet on the day of the game like Richard Goff or Andy Gorham or Hately or whatever and they just come back at, at like you know a puff of smoke and they would appear and you're like wait a minute are they not supposed to be out for two months or something like mm-hmm. that yeah, they just come in and play and then break your heart uh, or break Tommy Burns's heart usually um, but uh, no, nah, I just think uh, I think I think I think that's an all right front three. But I would far I would I would far rather we would be able to start with with the team that's been playing because it's <laughs> it's like I said it's a well oiled machine. Everybody knows their everybody knows their positions. But I think he's created the environment now that people can just slot in. You know they all know the roles. You know it's if Juranovic is out, Ralston comes in, and if. Uh, Jack Amakis is out, you know, Kyogo comes in or Maeda comes in. Everybody knows their, their jobs in that team and they all know that they have to give everything when they're on the park. So <laughs> that's all you can ask for as a fan is that your players are giving everything for you when you're standing, 
cheering them on and they have been given everything. There's no there's no two ways about that. So whoever comes in, you know, will 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 do the job. You trust them. Yeah, absolutely do. Mm. I want to bring this uh, in. It's a good point by Brian uh, Walsh. It has to be remembered that Mialbi and Maravchik played in halcyon days of the Celtic Rangers rivalry, 2002-2003. was the absolute high in terms of the players fielded on both sides. I think a good point there is I'm pretty sure the club in the past have used the derby and the rivalry as a carrot to players who don't know about Scottish football, who don't have any attachment to Celtic Football Club, who might be coming from Japan, for example, or from any other country in Europe. And they use, right, you're going to be able to play in front of 60,000 fans every second week. You've got European games and one of the biggest derbies in world football. And I'm pretty sure the club have used that in the past, JP. I noticed today that uh, the Celtic website, etc., is now open for votes for Player of the Year. How on earth do you vote for Celtic's Player of the Year? I'll, I said it last week. I'm giving my vote to Kyle McGregor. He's my player of the year. It's hard to argue with that. To be fair, I mean, I go back to that away game at Ross County when we when we got the the last minute victory. That still sticks in my mind as being a really really important game. Obviously, for the fact that we got the three points in the the, the last seconds of the game, but there was something about Kyle McGregor's performance that night that it was almost like getting us a kind of an audience with Callum McGregor because you're right up close. You're at, that was the first time I'd been to Dingwall and you're right up close next to him and you, you can hear and see everything that's going on and the way that he drove the team that night was was something really, really impressive and it's it seeped into all the other games either side of that, you know. He's, he's been an ever-present. He's taken on the, the, the role from one of the most... <laughs> important and iconic guys uh, ever in my lifetime as a Celtic fan and Scott Brown um, huge huge boots to fill and Cal McGregor's just I mean I remember you, you hear about Tierney saying Cal and Rene run the dressing room mm-hmm. like that that's you know he said that a while ago and so Cal McGregor's obviously been serving an apprenticeship whilst Bruni's already been there that, that, that this isn't something that's just happened this season as a kind of a light switch going on and Callum McGregor becomes this different person. He, he's he been this person and becoming this person over the last three years under the the, the, the the stewardship or the tutelage of one of the best to ever do it. You know, Bruni, I mean, he's not he's not Scott Brown. He's not the wind-up merchant that Scott Brown does. He's not going to be giving it, you know, laughing in folks' faces when they get sent off and stuff like that. It's not, it's not really his game, but... That doesn't mean to say that that's wrong and that's right or whatever. It's just that's just the way he goes about it. There you go. Loads, loads of people saying the same thing. Mm. But then, what a what a embarrassment of riches to go through that Celtic team and go. Well, it could be him. It could be him. It could be him as well as Callum McGregor. Um, but see, just uh, well, I remember. See the whole thing about the two thousand and two, two thousand and three. I read an article the other day in the Herald where it said that Celtic are the only side. Uh, for the last 27 years to have been in the top two in the league. Do you know that? <laughs> apparently. Apparently. Wow. The only side in... in uh, it's an article that's out there. I hope it's right because I've just said it on air, but that's that's what I read it as. The only side in European football that have been consistently in the top two, either first or second in the league. Um, for you know, it's, Which is incredible, really, when you think about it. I mean, I know everybody goes on about we need to do better in Europe, and we do. But domestically, 
for 27 years that's been the case that's incredible yeah, that really I'll is find, I'll find, I'll find, I'll find I do that I love yeah. that stat and we'll probably make it you know another 27 on top of that that's not being complacent by the way um, as you know if you watch on a Thursday JP and I have a passing interest in music and um, as JP said earlier on he's actually involved in the world of music um, which means that often when you come in on a Thursday you've had a late night the night before because obviously live events etc and I've mentioned many times that my first ever gig was to see you 2 at Celtic Park in 1993 uh, and there must be pictures of Bono and all that kicking about the dressing room, eh? Trying on a Celtic top and all that. It must be. Pro- must be. Probably, yeah. I, I, I do remember that because I've got the highlights taped off the TV where um, whoever it was commentating, I think it was uh, Jerry McNee, maybe, and he was just like, and yes, you can see the uh, the, the the after effects of the, the pop concert that occurred here uh, last week because there's a big scotch mark on Celtic Aye. Park right from where they, they had the stage or whatever. And I, I've heard from people that that was uh, that was like frowned upon, and it didn't go down too well because they they hadn't set up the stage in the in the proper manner, which had led to the damage to the pitch, like they not put proper protection down or whatever. So probably save, a, save about thirty quid or something. JP, the board didn't pay for it. You know what I mean? Well, I don't. Well, to be honest, I don't know if it was the board or the or the or the concert organisers, which. May or may not be my employer, so I better watch what I say. <laughs> um, I, I don't know who promoted that show, but uh, yeah, um, it's not a bad first gig. Uh, it was it was brilliant, uh, but I always love the the thought of Bono and that you know very much like Liam Gallagher going into the dressing room at Main Road and putting on that umbro top that has become like a pretty green staple now with umbro, mm. and it was just a random thing. He went into the changing room and basically just put on a Man City tracksuit walks on the stage, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Whether or not Bono done it, I don't know. Never seen the pictures. But your first gig, JP, you've mentioned this before. I can't remember the venue, but it was Therapy. Was it, was it in therapy, 1994? Yeah. April 5th, 1994, at the Tramway in Glasgow. It was part of Radio 1 Sound City um, event when they used to take over a, a city every every year and just put on a, a series of gigs there. Um, and then in 94, they did it in Glasgow. So April 5th was also the day Kurt Cobain died um, and uh, I was a huge, I still am a huge Nirvana fan so I was, was gutted at that because Nirvana should have been my first gig but I took it to see them um, and it never happened but what turned out to be my first gig was therapy and, and incredibly yesterday I, I repped a show with, with therapy uh, to celebrate their, well, it was originally supposed to be their 30th anniversary tour, but it became their 32nd anniversary tour because of COVID and mm-hmm. and everything else. So, so last night, yeah, they played the garage, and I was the wreck, which was a huge full circle moment for me. And just, you know, I'm not saying I'm pals with them or anything like that. God, absolutely not. I just met them last night and, and you know, told them my story, but they were really sound and, uh, and you know, the gig was great. They were really uh, happy with the, the Glasgow crowd, as they always are. They love they love playing in Glasgow, and they even dedicated a song to me on stage, which was I'm still processing it now, and I, I will probably be processing it in years to come to to think that they actually said on stage, you know, what I've just told you, and then dedicated to uh, Turn from Trouble Gum to me, which is probably my favourite therapy song and they didn't know that they had absolutely no idea that that was uh, 
that that was the case. And then I just heard it from the back of the room. And a guy guy next to me was like, is that you? And I went, aye. <laughs> and uh, he was like, put his fist out with the fist bump proper metal style. I mean, regardless of COVID, I think that would have happened anyway. So, uh, yeah. And then uh, it was just great. It was, uh, it was a really, really special, special night and special moment for me. And uh, aye, it was, it was great to be able to thank them for you know, introducing me to live music in that way and having such a big impact on my life because it's why I do what I do because I love live music and, well, love music. <laughs> uh, the, thing, the thing is, I'd like to dive in there a wee bit, JP, because we opened up the show and you were talking about how people were saying your name dropping and you know this guy, you know that guy. Well, I have to say that um, it's nothing like that because what's actually happened is I had the opportunity to see you in your environment on Friday two weeks ago, working within your, you were working within your environment. And what I can say with no issue whatsoever is that everybody knew who you were because you've worked in that environment for so long. I'm talking about everybody who's working at the gig, the sound guys, the merch guys, the people who are dealing with the bands, the whole shebang, and the bands themselves, and they all respect you for what you do. So if you know people who just so happen to be in a band or manage a band or do the artwork for a, a band or do the sound, that's just because you're working with them. For anybody to create a narrative that you think you're Billy Big Time because you know these people and you're always name dropping, I think it's a bit tragic. It's a bit tragic. You should celebrate the fact and embrace the fact that you've got the job of your dreams and you're and you're loving it. You're loving every minute of it. And it's creating experiences like last night, JP, that will be with you forever. I've just kind of lucked out in a way that uh, I kind of... I mean, I've worked out for a long time in a job that I didn't really want to do in terms of working for a, for a bank. You know, I was just a, a number in a bank, you know, handing out stationary to team leaders in a call centre. So, you know, I, I, I served I served my time and, and in that time I got to do my own thing, which didn't earn me any money in my spare time, but it gave me experience so that when a job did become available and I applied for it, I could kind of go, well, look, I've done this, this and this, and and that's why I now do what I do and I do love it. Um, and I'll never, ever shy away from that because it's just... Uh, it's 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 great to do something you love, and so many times people say to me, "God, you must, it's great, you you do a job you love," and I'm like, "I do, I, and and don't earn like millions of pounds from doing it. I just just enjoy doing it." And I always thought to myself, "Wouldn't it be good if you could go into work and you know you were in charge of your own time, and you were working in music, and you got enough money to get by?" And that's why it was so hard, and it was taken away from me for like mm. a year and a half. The, the pandemic because it was like that was like someone you know just ripping my world away from me and uh, I, I didn't really know how to cope so um grateful to to uh, Tesco and Springburn for providing me with somewhere to go and be enthusiastic in and be working in for a year and a half um otherwise I'd have been uh and they've been Jack Nicholson flinging a ball against the wall in here, that's for sure. <laughs> the Outlook Hotel. <laughs> Listen, it, it's always a pleasure on a Thursday. Somebody's actually come in. I won't bring you up because you've got a very interesting name. Uh, you're commenting on Twitch. When was the last gig at Parkhead? Was it Prince? Yeah, it might have been Prince. Uh, I think it was Prince in 94 or 95, so that would have been after you, your U2 one. I can't think of another one. They did do a sort of gig at the opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games. 
that. Oh, part. right. I don't know if you could class that as a gig because yep. it wasn't. Well, it was a it wasn't a football match, so it was it was a gig of sorts. Bands played at it, I'm sure. Or mm. there was there was entertainment and of a musical variety. But uh, as for a gig, I, I don't know. I, I I still I think that it's definitely a potential venue at some point. I guess whether or not Celtic supporting artists would want to play there and fully align themselves with Celtic. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of, I mean, everybody knows Paolo Nettini is a Celtic fan, but would they play at Celtic Park and make it so kind of, mm. you know, uh, 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 kind of in your face, um, alienating potentially quite a lot of his audience who, who don't like Celtic and they have to go and watch him at Celtic Park with a, 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 a clover and a four-leaf clover in the drum kit or something like that. But, uh, I don't know. It's definitely there's definitely potential there, but um, I I'd love to see a gig there. I mean, it goes without saying. I'd love to see a gig there. I mean, it would be incredible to see some you know something really really big. You know, something that's like a kind of one off that you know may never play in Glasgow again. You know, just like that's that's the one time that they play and it's at Celtic Park and you remember it like like Prince. You know, Prince didn't play Scotland again for. A long, long time after. I think he did maybe did the SECC once after that, and then didn't play until the Hydro in 2014. So it's got. You were there, weren't you? Were you at the Hydro? The Hydro, yeah, yeah. I was at the Hydro. I wasn't at Celtic Park, and I wasn't at the SECC. And he also played the Garage, which is the venue I was in last night. He played a a late night show in the Garage, uh, one o'clock in the morning. He asked his management asked venues in Glasgow if uh, if uh, they were interested in putting him on and. Donald at the garage um, kind of went, I'll, I'll do it. So it was a, a cash-in-hand job and no guarantee that he would go on stage. And uh, he went on stage at one o'clock to about, I think it was maybe about 300 people. And then I found out, get this, you'll love this, I found out last night from one of the security guys that Donald has the full video of that gig at the garage. What? Has the full video. And it, maybe not the best quality in terms of, you know, it's not going to be like, you know, Primo production or anything like that, but he has the footage and it has sound, and I really, really want to see it just because it'll be so mental. Get it um, shared, get it shared. I told the therapy drummer last night as we were going on stage, I was like, You know, Prince played here, and he was like, What? And I went, Yeah, that's brilliant, by the way. But we'll leave you with this one, yeah. You can well, reform, you can reform for Celtic. Park, what a actually. shout, by the way, what a <laughs> shout. That is that's incredible. We'll take that, we'll take that, JP. I think they could probably do quite a few nights, to be fair. <laughs> uh, oh, oh there you go. we thought it was going to be a really cool artist that was the last one, and you come up with that, Kevin Graham Poet. Should have kept that to yourself. Right. Thank <laughs> you, everybody, for getting involved. As I said before, we've got a few prizes running at the moment. One of them's for the gig in May at the uh, Armadillo with a host of Celtic stars who will be doing a Q&A up there. Um, I'm pretty sure it's sold out. If it's not, there won't be many tickets left, but we've got a couple. So if you subscribe on the YouTube channel, you could be in for a chance of winning them. It's always an absolute pleasure on a Thursday. Thank you to JP Mason for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Cheers, Paul.
mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.